Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Last Post Radio Show podcast. Or if you like, TLPRSP. We're not sure which might work better, but we hope that one of them will. My name is Gary Mack and it is a great pleasure to welcome a co-host the man behind the Last Post radio show podcast, behind the Last Post magazine. He's been around doing this sort of stuff for about 11 or 12 years now. He's sitting right opposite me and his name is Greg T. Ross. Hello, Gary, and hello to listeners there. It's a fantastic opportunity, Gary. I haven't done this sort of thing for a long time, being in front of the microphone. It's, I'm normally putting the microphone in front of other people. You are. And your radio career did have a short amount of time on the wireless. Yes, I was. I started off in community radio, Gary, um, reading the news, and then, uh, of course, came to see you, who helped to project me into commercial radio, and also reading the news uh, on commercial radio too. And um, went to Sydney and um, did some work on some more work on community radio, and then started up the magazine. I've got a surprise for you here, Oops, Greg. I don't know if I like this. <laughs> do you uh, do you recall the the year? I won't ask you for the date, but do you recall the year that you uh, attended the Melbourne Radio School? Well, I do because I was excited about the prospect of actually becoming an on air presenter and getting away from my job as a postie, which I was then too. All right, okay. Well, it was... 2000? Yes. Well, you got the year right. Right. What was the date? Right, okay. Maybe April? No. Right. Right. Nearly to the date 24 years ago. 24th of January, 2000. Wow. Well, that's worth a virtual handshake over the studio there, It is indeed, 24th of January, 2000 is when I was at... Gary Max Melbourne Radio School. That's right. It was the Melbourne Radio School that uh, my wife and I established in 1984, and we uh, we carried on with that with a number of people. My brother, even. My yes, your brother, brother Craig was yeah, early. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was very early in the piece. Actually, yeah, he was actually. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah, he got a run up on me. That's for he sure. got. He would have been there about 85, 86. I'd say. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yes, I. Um, and he did well. He got into radio. Did all sorts of things. I tell you what. I said. I'd, I was. I actually, I remember this is a bit of family story too. I, I, I lent him some money at one stage and I said, I'm only lending it to you if you go back to the radio school because we were going overseas and he was going to take a break and I said, you've got to return. When you when we return to Australia, you must go back to the radio school because you need to have a career in radio. Yeah, yeah. Because he had a great voice. So it's really been a fair while and a few drinks and a certain amount of water under a bridge since you and I have gotten together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but by way of of maybe an introduction, mm-hmm. you started the magazine what about eleven or twelve years ago? In two thousand eleven, it was actually Gary, and I um I wanted to I'd been in radio and then I got out of radio and I wanted to get back into the media. So I thought, what can I do? Did some environmental stuff with the South Australian government, but it really wasn't paying the bills. So I thought, okay, well, magazine. And I remembered my father, who'd fought in the Second World War, had after he came out of the Second World War, and he produced a little newsletter for veterans out of New South Wales. Mm. And um, so my thoughts were, okay, let's do that, but let's make it a national magazine and let's make it a quality thing. So that's that's what we did, 2011. And it's been going, I mean, I thought, okay, let's interview the best Australians. You, you Obviously, you've been included in that list. You're in the magazine. <laughs> 
<laughs> that wasn't much trouble to think about that one. And then um, also just um, just provide updates for veterans, which does affect the wider community, of course, because there is a great deal of focus in the magazine and now in this radio show podcast, Gary, about transition for veterans yes. and the health issues they may go through in that ongoing journey to get into transition back to a general community. So we'll always be dealing with subjects like that. So, yeah, it's been a blessing, you know. Absolutely, and and uh, and all strength to you too with what you've been doing over the last eleven years. And let's hope that what we're doing here is only going to enlarge our audience and uh, have them appreciate our serving soldiers, our men and women who take care of us. Yeah, exactly right, Gary. And the um, the veterans, the, the the people that are doing that now, the first responders, of course, police and fireys and doctors and nurses and. Um Peacekeepers too. So all of those things will be covered in the um, the last post radio show podcast. It gives us a lot of scope to work with some wonderful people, Gary. Well, it does, and uh, one of them is uh, someone that I've known for a number of years, and as a a former radio stalwart, uh, talkback radio presenter on both the ABC and at Three AW here in Melbourne. That's Muriel Cooper. She is a fully qualified psychologist and uh, she's been in that business now for quite some time. And she'll be joining us, uh, not in this episode, but most certainly in future episodes, uh, where she'll be talking about... Mental health matters? Yes, mental health matters is what it's about. Some of the subjects that uh, Muriel will be discussing is stress and anxiety, how to get a better night's sleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's going to be talking about depression. Mm -hmm. And, And that's a subject matter that that affects a lot of people. It really does, more than you really ever consider. And it's only been in my latter years that I've realised that there are some uh, who do fall into that and um, they seem to mask it very well and that's part of their problem which Muriel can help with. Yeah. Uh, she'll also be talking about a focus on families, particularly those families who are maybe um, moving around with people who are in the military. And that comes into it a lot more than people would imagine too, Gary. You yeah. know, I've spoken to a lot of people, um, partners of those serving or those serving themselves with a partner and the ongoing need to move and relocate when you're making friends in a particular town or yep. region and then having to pack up and go somewhere else, often far, far away from where you'd been. And that's part of the deal. But, of course, we are human beings and we do, while we welcome and change is exciting, we do welcome a continuing and continuum in, in our lives. And that's a, an amazing subject to talk about. Sure, sure. first episode of the last post radio show podcast with Greg T. Ross and Gary Mack. Gary Mack, where did you come from? I was a kid at school when I embraced radio uh, and it was it, it was a fascinating medium at that time for me and as a kid. I, what a time to arrive on the scene in radio. Well, I believe, and there's a number of people of my vintage, without sounding like we're all old farts, you know, there's a number of people of my vintage and younger who have often said we've been through the best part of radio in this country than anyone else. And, and I, 
I'm inclined to agree with that. I mean, I still listen to radio and I enjoy radio and naturally radio evolves, it changes and it may not necessarily be what everybody thought that it used to be or it's changed somewhat, but it hasn't really. It's just that it's moved on. There's a different, um, there's a different attitude toward it now. Uh, and it's like podcasting. Podcasting has, is something that has taken off with a huge number of people who would rather listen to a podcast that they can listen to in an off and on type situation, whereas radio requires a captive audience. You've got to stay and listen to it. It's also a background or, as some people say, a backdoor medium uh, where it hits your subconsciousness and if you hear something that piques your interest, then you'll tune in physically by turning the knob up a little bit louder or whatever. Yeah, you may, you may, a part may be of great interest to you and the dog may bark at that time and you may not pick it up so you can go back to listen to it again. It, it's a brilliant conception. Yeah, 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 it is. So my radio career began at uh, 2NX in Newcastle in uh, the middle of the 14th century. You know, Newcastle is is really um, um, a, a, a city, a large city. So I sort of dropped into Cap City Radio almost uh, from day one. Well, I did. What a start! Uh, because normally, to get into radio in in most countries in the world is that you start small. You go to a small radio station somewhere in a back back town. You know, upper come back to west wherever. Yes, well, I know <clears> all about that. Yes, and um, you know that's where you make your moves to 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 other places, and that's why you go up the ladder, Gary. But you actually landed near the top of the top rung when you started off. Well, I did. Yeah, I had that lucky thing that that happened. But mm. because I wanted to put my hands on all the levers of radio, uh, that is, selling advertising, writing radio copy, producing the commercials, uh, doing radio interviews, uh, you know, not just playing music, but mm. getting really involved, um, even with the administration of radio. And that was not going to happen at that radio station because I was just the night voice between 6pm and 12 midnight Monday to Friday, you know. And I was the voice in between the music that was being played at that time. Uh, So I wanted to do a little more than that. So I moved on to a little town called Mudgee. And there's a radio station there called 2MG. And I have very fond memories of radio being there. It was a small town. It still is a small town, but it's a lovely town with lovely people. And I enjoyed it immensely. I, I had a great time there. Well, actually, Clive Robinson used to go there too. He was in 2MG, yep. as I was, yep. and um, he, he came to visit us one day, Clive Robinson. Now, tell us, Gary, at 2MG, were you in the old building out the back? Or I was. Yeah, I was yeah, in the middle yeah, of a paddock. The floodplain type of thing. That's it, yes. And I have a picture of my good friend Ken Sparks. Lovely. Yeah, Sparksy, yeah. Who, uh, who was a, a big name in radio and in television voiceover. Uh, there's a picture of Sparksy on the front desk of 2MG and Mudgee, which was like an old house in the middle of this big paddock, as you say, on a floodplain, with water up to nearly just below his knees, and he was standing on the top step. So already the water had gone through the radio station. But they managed to keep it on air because they knew where they were and uh, everything that could have been destroyed by water leaking into your radio station was, was up about six feet. Uh, above the floor. So if the water went through, you could still sit there. Oh, no. 2MG has such great legacy when you think of Ken Sparks, Clive Robinson, yourself. Yep. um, And Craig was there too, my brother also. So 
such great legacy. But what an experience there with, with Sparksy and, and the floods. Fortunately for me, it didn't flood while I was there during my <laughs> sojourn at 2MG and Mudgee, but I have uh, and then you very went. fond memories of all of that. Next one was 2BS in Bathurst. Uh, 2BS, I was there for about three and a half years. It was um, a bigger town, a bigger market. I went in, I think, doing nights, which is what you normally do, you know, when you first started a radio station. But I elevated myself from there into drive, which is between 4 and 7 p.m. And they thought, uh, let's put you in the breakfast session, which is really into the lion's mouth because the breakfast session on most commercial radio stations, indeed all radio stations, is the most important Yes. Uh, session yes, of the day. Yes, yes. So there's a bit weighing on you your set up shoulders. Your ratings for the day. Then. Yeah. Well, yeah. yes, you do. You do. And mm-hmm. and most advertisers like their advertising in the breakfast session. So you're pretty busy. But I enjoyed all of that. I embraced that. I was also learning the administration side of radio at that point in time with doing a, a, a radio course as part of the Macquarie Network, which was out of 2GB in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So I got the chance of sort of mixing with those uh, in the upper echelon, if you like, of radio at that time. I think it was once a month I would uh, drive up to Sydney and spend a day and a bit up there and then come back. Eventually, the 2BS radio station was bought by the Packer family. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting story that if I might be able to tell you, I'm sitting in my radio studio, uh, which had a view out onto the street, into George Street in Bathurst. And um, a man pulled up in a rather large black car. <clears throat> and this man got out of the car. He had a black overcoat on and a, and a black hat, like a... a, Undertaker. Yes, 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 you've got that in one. And uh, I could see him banging on the door. We didn't Mm. have a bell push there because that would drive us all nuts, I suppose. Mm. And he's waving to me. And I said, put a finger up to say, I'll be there in a minute, which I did. I opened up the door and I said, can I help you? And he said, yes. He said, I need to come in. And I said, well, who are you? He said, don't worry about me, Sonny. He said, my name is Packer. Sir Frank Packer, and oh, I own this radio what? station now. What? So he said, I'm in here to talk to your manager. And I looked at him and I thought, no one told me he was coming here. Uh, and at that point in time, I had no idea who he was. What a, what a meeting. <laughs> what a meeting. <laughs> I found out much later that you don't talk to Sir Frank Packer quite like I did. Even Kerry later on. Oh, well, no. I mean, that was the sort of thing that... Chip off the old block. You know, they'd say, don't come Monday. (laughs) Yeah, with a few expletives chucked in there too. So uh, I said, well, of course, you may come in. I said, there's no one else here, just me, and uh, the boss won't be here until about half past eight. I might add, this was about quarter past seven in the morning. Wow. Anyway, I rushed upstairs, uh, turned on a few lights for him. I said, there's the coffee machine. There might be some bickies in the tin. I'll see you later. I've got a radio program. The reason that he bought the radio station was because 2BS in Bathurst and 3AK in Melbourne shared the identical frequency on the AM band. And that's not unusual for radio stations to have the same frequency, Mm -hmm. but so long as they're uh, geographically uh, a number of kilometres apart, Mm. it works. Mm. Uh, However, because 3AK had what was called the B Mm licence, there was an A and B licence on that frequency... Uh, 3AK had the B licence and 2BS had the A licence, which enabled them, if they wished, to broadcast 24 hours a day. And, of course, uh, Sir Frank Packer wanted 3AK to run 
for 24 hours a day and compete with the big boys uptown here in Melbourne. And so he had to buy the radio station, didn't he, so that he could put uh, a null in between the two radio stations. In other words, the 2BS signal would be forced to go more north Mm. and the 3AK signal would go more south Mm. so that there was a void in between those two frequencies. That's about as much of the technical stuff that I'm going to talk about today. And then uh, about, it was it would have been maybe three weeks after that, I'm walking into the radio station to begin my breakfast session. It's about quarter past five in the morning. I'm on air at 5.30. The phone goes. The voice at the other end of the phone said, uh, G'day, son. My name is Day, Gary Day. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of 3AK in Melbourne uh, here at Channel 9 in Richmond. And I said, uh, yes, can I help you? He said, mate, uh, you've been working at Bathurst for a while? And I said, yes, I have. He said, um, I uh, believe you're sending a resignation because you're going to be moving on to Newcastle. And I said, well, I've had a telephone verbal offer of a job in Newcastle, yes. Uh, but uh, nothing official. And he said, well, mate, he said, you're not going to bloody Newcastle, you're coming to bloody Melbourne. And that's how it happened. Wow. Just like that. Thanks for filling us in too because, of course, um, Gary Mack became one of the famous voices at 3AK. Was that where No Wrigley's Flying? That came a bit later. I'd started off as a good guy, but I'm still a good guy. (laughs) I thought that was terrific. So I spent a a good deal of my time at 3AK and it it was a great learning curve for me. It was a radio station that had only operated between the hours of when the sun got up and when the sun went down. And, of course, in winter there wasn't too much broadcasting because the sun got up at, what, 7 o'clock in the morning and was gone by 5. Whereas in the uh, summer months then you could broadcast for longer. So it was governed by... The sun, and people might say, Well, what's that got to do with radio? Well, interestingly, and here's a bit more technical jargon for those of you who are making notes when the sun comes up, it actually draws the electromagnetic waves of a radio station, those broadcast waves that come into our radio, Mm -hmm. it draws those signals toward the sun. I know this sounds like I'm making it up. Mate, I'm going to start making notes. So, therefore, when the sun goes down, your radio waves will follow the topography of the earth Mm. and, therefore, they will go further. So, if you're a radio buff and you're listening to AM radio, I'm not talking about FM or DAB at this point in time, but AM radio, it has a proclivity of actually following the topography of the lee of the land. And if you happen to be, say, in Sydney, Mm. it's possible that you'll listen to radio stations in Melbourne, whereas if you try and get them during the day, they don't exist. Oh, is that why... Actually, you'd know this because you're such a genius. Is that why as a child or as a young teenager I would be lying in bed and you would be more likely to pick up interstate stations? Sure, yeah. You might pick up some with something from... Well, well, all around Australia. It, it, it is possible to listen to AM radio stations, depending on the sort of radio that you have, uh, from Perth in Australia or even from Auckland or Wellington yes. or Dunedin in New Zealand. Incredible. And, and possibly even radio stations in Papua New Guinea. Incredible. So that's why you get radio uh, signals, as I say, from an AM station 
you get more of them at night than you do during the day. Mm. So that then obviated 3AK to start its... Um, its radio programs uh, with a full 24-hour service. And with that came the campaign to the good guys? Was that something that started Well, then? no, the good guys were already there. They'd actually embraced the good guy campaign. But oh, so then you actually were welcomed into the good guy fraternity. I, I was, How indeed. did it feel? Oh, it felt good. Did you get a good guy suit? Uh, did we get a good guy suit? Uh, you see, that's also one of the trade-offs, that when you, when you are part of... This is going back to radio in a different era. Yeah. You had to look the part. Not only yeah, did you have to do the right thing on the wireless, but you also had to uh, have a have a visual image as well. And we were all dressed in grey suits with beautiful shirts, a beautiful blue tie. We're all the same. We all look like the Bobsy Twins, you know, that's, that's uh, or we look like um, yeah, yeah, uh, the Beatles. You looked like the Beatles. Yeah, it'd been the early days. You see, the Beatles did that. Yeah, they all had the same haircut, the same suits, the four-headed monster. The, absolutely, mm. um, and it's. It's the same as um, uh, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. They all, they were the same. So we we're all cut with the same oh, cloth. Yeah. Mm. We also had sweatshirts or wind cheaters with uh, our names on them and 3AK. We were walking billboards, you know. That was all part of it. Along the way, that started to diminish. We became more casual. We got the ripped jean look, scungy, grungy look. That's right, because things were moving in a less uh, yeah. formal fashion, let's put it that way. That's right. Through music and radio too. Yeah. Mm. Now, there's a lot of people uh, who would say, well, you know, I'd much prefer to see someone dressed, uh, you know, with a collar and tie or something. But look, those days have gone. Yes. They really have gone and we must accept that. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to, to have memories about how it might have been, but it's now and that's today. Mate, I must have been ahead of the pack because I stopped wearing a suit and tie about 40 years ago. Yeah, well, you and me I both. I must have known something. Although I tell you what, it is good to put a suit on now and then with yes. a good tie, shiny shoes, go out, take your lovely lady, go out with your friends, you know, nosh it up a bit. Well, and actually, that brings me to the point. You Actually, talking, do you wear a... a a suit and tie when you go out with Joni every Wednesday night because you've got a lovely tradition. <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> Gary and Joni have been married for such a long time. They're a lovely couple and they have a weekly get-together where they go out to dinner together to remind themselves of how lucky they are to have each other. Do you wear a suit and tie then or? Uh, no, although if it's a wedding anniversary and we're maybe checked into a rather toffee hotel... right. Uh, well, then that's a different story. <laughs> well, I'm pleased to hear it. Well, But that's only been once in a while. No, no mostly, uh, I must admit, um, Joni's not that fussy about me uh, wearing shorts. Uh, but you've got lovely legs. I have, well, so yes. you told me. Uh, no, you can see them. There they are. Look that's at that. They're under the under table. The desk, I totally agree with her. But, you see, we live in a, in a seaside town yes. where there is a certain amount of casual clothing and so on. Sometimes, you know, you walk down the street and they're not wearing much at all. I was going to say, that's right. is, there, is there any nudist beaches nearby? But, of course, you're, you're, you've got a casual um, uh, wear, and which is lovely for a seaside town. And tell us more. After 3AK, I moved on into a freelance area uh, and that's when I had the opportunity of getting involved in voiceovers for television. Channel 7 was, uh, was, was the place that I started at. Um, and in that, there's a story. Um, the program director that I started under at 3AK in 1968 was a man called Gordon French. And he was also in, involved in the decision 
that they made to get me down here to Melbourne. And um, he moved on from 3AK and later became program director at Channel 7. And when I left 3AK, I was happened to be driving in South Melbourne and... Uh, Did you have to give the suit back? No, no. I, I've still got the trousers. Oh, wow. Uh, they don't fit me anymore, however. They seem to have shrunk somewhat. <laughs> Put them on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I should do that. <laughs> i tell you what I could do is uh, I've got all the 3AK good guy posters. Have you? Yeah, I've got, got them all. Um, I bid for those at an auction when I found that they were coming up. So that's another story for another day. Yeah, maybe one day we can uh, put them into a listener's competition. Well, that could be uh, most certainly on the cards. <clears throat> and your trousers. So I, I found myself in South Melbourne and I thought, I'm driving past Channel 7. My good mate Gordon French was here. Good move. So I, lo and behold, there was a parking spot right outside the front door. I put a... Meant to be. I, I, I put a couple of bob in the uh, metre went in and announced myself and said if Gordon's free for a minute or even a coffee would be good. And uh, when the uh, receptionist rang through to his office, I could hear Gordon bellowing from upstairs at Channel 7, send him up now. <laughs> so I went up and he said, I've heard you've uh, left 3AK. And I said, yes. He said, the Tom Toms are working well. Everybody knows that you're uh, out there on, you know, you're available. I said, well, yes, I'm available, but I'm going to take a couple of weeks off, maybe three weeks, and go and lie in the sun somewhere. And he said, um, no, you're not. I said, what do you mean I'm not? He said, you're going to start here and you must start tomorrow. <laughs> so that's how that happened. Oh, wow. The serendipitous nature of actually you having stopped there, having that car park, uh, having the spare change on you too, yes. if, if that's the truth, and then, uh, and then uh, going to see Gordon because Gordon was a big fan of yours. Well, I mean, we enjoyed each other's company. He was uh, he 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 was a hard taskmaster, uh, and and that I appreciate. Mm. The one program director that I have great admiration mm. for, and sadly he's no longer with us, mm. but he taught me a lot. He uh, he was my mentor. His name is Rhett Walker. Rhett Walker. Yeah. The no. name. Yes, I know that name. Yeah. He came up with a with an incredible radio promotion that really was enough to rip the veneer off your polished desk. Uh, he took it to all radio stations in this town wow. and uh, they all showed him the door until he walked into 3AK. And and the promotion was 3AK, where no wrinklies fly. And Beautiful. there's a couple of posters on the wall here. I can see those. And it meant if you looked at, you know, the, the scruffy people in those pictures mm. and you turned your nose up, mm. then you were a wrinkly. There's John Lennon, there's Bob Dylan from the New Morning cover. Yeah. And there's Jesus. Is that Jesus and Che Guevara? Uh, it is. And Janis Joplin. Yes. My God. Uh, even... Um, Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker's up there, yes. And Antonio Rodriguez. Wow. Uh, a newborn baby. Wow. There's quite a few people up there. Yeah, and a, Frankenstein. <laughs> That's right. Well, if you turn your nose up at Frankenstein, they don't want you at 3AK. So it, it meant people thought, well, what's all this about? I mean, it, there, was an, um, there was a massive outdoor advertising campaign, promotional marketing campaign for the radio station. Mm. It put a lot of radio stations' noses out of joint in this town for a little while, but it was also designed to lift the presence mm. of 3AK at that time. Yeah. Because it, it kind of wallowed there for a while uh, because it hadn't been a major radio station in Melbourne for a long time. 
that is a, a 24-hour station. Who was in? What stations were in charge then? Three XY? Yeah, well, it was it was three XY, three KZ, three UZ. So KZ uh, was a three DB yeah. and the ABC stations. Yeah. And and now in 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 this town alone, I think there's something like 63 radio stations. Like most large cities, like Melbourne, mm. there's a ton of radio stations in all of them. They're all competing, mate. If you've got a an app for everyone, you wouldn't be able to fit it on your phone. You'd only be drained of power for every five minutes. Everyone wants to give you an app, but um, there are so many radio stations that it can become a little confusing at times. Yeah. While I think of it, and you're talking about apps, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, if anyone listening to us right now wants to listen to any radio station at any time, anywhere on this planet, then simply go to Radio Garden. I'm not sure whether it's a .com or a .fm or whatever. It doesn't matter. Just uh, Google Radio Garden, as in flowers in the garden, and uh, you just simply put that on your desktop, your phone, your um, whatever device you've got. Oh, wow. uh, And you can choose any radio station. About 99% of the radio stations on earth uh, on Radio Garden. Wow, okay. And uh, and I I have it going on my on my desktop if I'm just you know typing up stuff and whatever, and it just runs in the background. Have they got archives so you can listen to yourself from the old days? No. Mm, right. It's a radio uh, guru who um, I think lives in the Netherlands somewhere who's put it all together. So mm. um, it's a labour of love. What a lovely idea. Yeah, you know anyone that's got a streaming service online now, and most radio stations have that then you can pick them up and listen to them anywhere. But it's so easy to operate. It's, uh, it's wonderful. I listen to a lot of um, uh, sort of layback, cool dude music, if you like, from New York occasionally. Oh, lovely, 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 lovely. And, uh, you know, it, it's, just a, it, it's just nice to have that as a background thing. Yeah, excellent. It's like podcasts, you know. You, you can choose whatever it is you, that you want to listen to. Yes. And if you don't like that, then you can go somewhere else. But you see radio, to a large extent has to have a captive audience. That's right. And I think with the, the last post-radio show podcast, people know, of course, that what the magazine's been about since 2011. So what Gary and I are going to give you is an audio version of that with a few extras thrown in yeah. and some exciting stuff and some, some stuff that, uh, well, perhaps we haven't even thought about yet, Gary, but I know will come to us because it's such an exciting concept. And like the magazine, high-class production. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, I'm so I'm so glad of that. Oh, well, if you don't mind, that's right. Okay. And we're back. The last post radio show podcast. I'm Gary Mack and he's Greg the, T Ross. That's him. <laughs> um, don't forget the T. We're putting on a show. That's exactly what we're doing. And it also happens to be the title of a book that was written by Rob Mills with Paul Connolly. Is that the Millsy from yes, Australian Idol? it is, okay. from Australian Idol. Uh, he's a, an actor of fine repute now. He's, I've heard he's not he's a, a song, He's a song singer mm. and he's not a bad bloke. Uh, he wrote this book uh, which covers manhood, mates and mental health. And I think that it probably fits in to what this last post radio show podcast well, is, is all Gary, about. Well, Gary. I think that's a very timely book for you to talk briefly to listeners about because, of course, health, particularly mental health, uh, physical health, they're both the join, but very much an important part of the last post uh, radio show podcast and yeah. magazine. So 
what can you tell us about that Millsy's book there? Well, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Millsy uh, at uh, the Marquee Entertainment Luncheon, which is a, a, a monthly get-together of a bunch of entertainment-type people, a lot of musos, few actors, people from radio, television and uh, other retrobates as it's well. It's that popular that it's a monthly meeting that you have weekly. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun and uh, there's a great deal of camaraderie amongst everybody that goes. We all know each other very well. We all love each other so much as well. It, it, and it's just a, a lovely break every month for us to get together. And we have a, a special talking head who I get the opportunity to talk to. It can be very entertaining, it can be funny, it can be silly. Sometimes people get up and sing. It's just a lot of fun. And it's about a 20-minute interview. Um, so we had uh, Rob Mills come in and uh, naturally we talked about his book, Putting on a Show. So that will be something that I think that y once you have a read of this... Yeah, I'm going to take that home, just have a read of it because uh, a brief look through it too, Gary, it looks, um, it looks of great interest and there's certainly enough topics there to cover... Well, you know, uh, I guess mental health issues uh, relate to both gender, male, female, yep. whatever, because um, it's non-discriminatory. So uh, we've focused a lot, obviously, through the Inspirational Australian Women series, Gary, and the magazine, about women that are working for the health of all Australians. And also, I think by putting out this book, Millsy is in effect, this could be a handbook, if you like. Yeah, well, it is. And, and uh, uh, he, he writes it with a hand on your shoulder saying, this can help you. I think Shane Jacobson says that uh, this uh, masculinity doesn't come with a manual until now. So what Shane's saying, who I've interviewed for the magazine, is he's saying that uh, Millsy's book is, is, can be used as a manual to help those. And, of course, Paul Kennedy, who I've also interviewed through the magazine from author of Funky Town, um, said this is a fascinating, revealing and funny book and this, these are chats that all men and their loved ones need to have. So you've spot on with this one, Gary. Yeah, well, you know, we're a couple of blokes and uh, blokes don't normally open up all that much about things that might be happening to them. Uh, they probably make fewer visits to doctors than women do mm -hmm. uh, and they kind of don't talk about it with their mates either. Yes, males do traditionally have a less inclination to explain themselves because they don't feel that they have to. Also, if you're at a barbecue and someone comes up to you and says, how are you? And you say, well, actually, you know, I'm having some problems peeing or something or whatever, I've had some mental problems with attitudes, to whatever. You don't want to start off the conversation with that. It's more likely to be about the football team or the weather. Yep. And uh, that's the bloke thing and it needs to change. And uh, women, of course, traditionally more open in their discourse with each other. Bless them for that. And uh, we're always learning from each other. And uh, if we can learn how to be a bit more open without seemingly losing face, then let's do it. Because I myself have been accused of being a bit non-communicative. Non-communicative, is that that's right? That's uh, that's easy for you to say. Uh, I'll just have a glass of water, and um, and so yeah, I have to look at that too, and uh, and just have a have a good uh, a good inspection of my uh, the way that I look at uh, life and, and communicate. So yes, for all men, that book, uh, putting on a show by Rob Mills, which we will talk about, and actually Gary, you'll be lucky enough to be speaking with both. I spoke and speak, speaking to Millsy soon. Good. Now you've got some other books there that you want to mention, mate. One of the blessings of doing the magazine since two thousand eleven is talk to great. Australians. Authors are amongst that group. So Peter Gers from Adelaide's uh, ABC Radio 891, who's recently retired from there, and I did go to the farewell show at the Festival Theatre, 
has released a book. He's had a couple of books out before, um, Gary, but this one's called In the Air of an Afternoon Almost Past, A Memoir of Loss. What it is is his going through, it's, it's finally saying goodbye to both his parents who were tragically killed in a uh, Pan Am airplane crash outside of New Orleans oh, back in 83. Mm. Peter didn't even get the chance to say goodbye to them. Uh, and, and so this, this book, it's, it's a flow of consciousness and it's almost a poetical tribute to, and it also points to some great spots in New Orleans to go and visit when you're there. <laughs> <laughs> so in an air and afternoon almost passed by Peter Goose. Well, that's also uh, worth mentioning that we, we're going to be looking at travel as well, not only in this country oh, but yeah. also overseas. Yeah. But get back to your books. Yeah, no, that's right. Looking at travel is an exciting thing and we'll both be doing a bit of that. Flying the flag for the show. Um, there's another book here by uh, edited by... Uh, Anna Clark and Tamsin Peach about my darling Hurst. It's called basically going into the the history of Sydney's eastern suburbs in the in the nineteen eighties and nineties and beyond. So we speak about Darlinghurst. I'll be talking to the author on that, but um, just basically looking at the area of Darlinghurst in Sydney and its associated uh, legacy and ongoing. There's another book by Stuart Coop, a famous rock and musician writer called Shake Some Action. Stuart is from Tasmania. And he goes through his early childhood, quite br- a brilliant book, by the way, Gary, about, uh, you'd love this, mm-hmm. about the people he's met in the music industry. Yeah. You, 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 anyhow. So I'm halfway through the book. I've got to finish it before we have our interview for the magazine coming up soon. But his honesty, his love of Bruce Springsteen and uh, beyond. So read that book, Shake Some Action by music journalist Stuart Coop. Finally, um, by Adam Holloway. Adam got in contact with me last year, Gary, he um, has a great uh, story to tell and he's released a book called Duty Nobly Done, an extraordinary account of 11 family members in the Great War. So Adam's family has such a tradition in the army, the ADF, and uh, through this book Adam describes his family's legacy and what they went through in the conflicts of World War One and uh, personal letters, diaries and family memories of, of this. So there's another one, Duty Nobly Done by Adam Holloway. And uh, you can get that book uh, through Big Sky Publishing. And that's that's the books for the time being. Very good, very good. Uh, speaking of uh, musicians and the like, Brian Mannix did my Melbourne Radio School course back oh. in the day. Oh, We've had a few musos who have come through the portals of the Melbourne Radio School. Another one was Gary Young, who was the drummer with uh, Daddy, Daddy Cool. Daddy Cool, yeah, of yeah, yeah. And he started off with Bobby and Laurie. Uh, yeah. Yes, he yeah, did. Yeah. And, and he got a job at Fox FM. He was doing mid-dawns. Wow. But he said, no, I can't do this anymore. And I said, why not? And he said, well, they won't let me talk because, you know, commercial radio is like that. They want you to play much more music. and therefore this format. A very tight format and therefore we don't want you to talk too much about, you know, what you've been doing like we've been doing here. So um, uh, he, he moved on. But he's always been in and out of Triple uh, R, the community radio station that just does so much good in this town. Back to Brian Mannix. Wow. Yeah. He, um, he paid me a compliment, which I didn't expect. You may recall when we did the radio course that we did um, a one-night stand, basically, on talking about writing advertising copy. And then I gave you a, a brief to see whether you could put something together in the week between tonight and the next week when we see you. And he came back with something that was quite outstanding. And uh, I bumped into him at a function somewhere and he said to me, mate, he said, I've got to thank you. I said, what for? He said, well, 
you inspired me to write. And so speaking of books as you were, he would be a good uh, uh, a person to talk to about the book that he's written, uh, albeit a few years ago now, but he's likely working on something else. Wow, so now, he actually wrote a book. Oh, yes, he wrote a book wow. which is out there. And it was a real a, a book that just really covered all the bases, warts and all. So uh, we well, may well look yeah, at Brian Mannix yeah, because bit, there'd, yeah. there'd be a lot of our listeners who would know who he is. And also a lot of listeners that would know the group that he was the lead singer of. Yes, it, maybe they can give us a phone call at some stage. <laughs> he was such an outstanding <laughs> character that we've forgotten the group. That, but he was, he, and he was a, he, he was a, a showman and a, and a singer who demanded a response almost. Yeah. There's a few people out there, and speaking of, of, of uh, I won't talk too much about this next guy because everyone knows who he is anyway. In our next episode, we'll be talking to Normie Rowe. Wow. Yeah. And Norm, of course, uh, he saw uh, some action as a soldier in uh, Vietnam. I'd like to talk to Marcy Jones too and the Cookies mm-hmm. because they were there singing mm-hmm. uh, along with a number of other luminaries at that time. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things that we'll also be looking at as well. Fantastic stuff. And, of course, Normie, you know Normie very well. I interviewed Normie about six years ago, maybe maybe seven years ago, Gary, and then went to see him play with the Playboys out at uh, Oakley, I think it was, mm-hmm. one of the best shows I've ever, ever been to. Beautiful voice. So we're looking forward to having Normie on the show and uh, going through some of his experiences in life, of course, um, which does include a stint in Vietnam, and uh, we'll be looking forward to that. Well, I, one of the things, Gary, as I said, we've got some great people coming up to have a chat with. We've got uh, Jeff Rowe, who's CEO of Aged and Disability Advocacy for Australia, and Jeff talks about human rights in the aged care sector, uh-huh. which is of great interest to a lot of people because, of course, there have been inroads and there is attached ageism to the fact that uh, if somebody goes into an aged care facility, they can no longer think for themselves, but we know that's not true. So we speak with Jeff about that. Professor Ben Wadham from uh, Flinders University who runs Open Door, Gary, and um, what Open Door do is speak for veterans and focus on ways of improving mental health outcomes for them, including a close look at the Royal Commission into Defence and Veteran Suicide, which I attended a couple of those recently. Heath Smith, Gary, from GSE, and the, the, we speak with, with Heath about the amazing things that his company is doing uh, for Veteran Transition. They're a management consultant group and uh, they are going outside uh, the circle to, um, to employ veterans. Les Très Bon, I hope I've said that successfully, the French Les Très Bon. Oui. Oui, bonjour. And uh, so what, um, what Christophe and Josephine from Les Très Bon do is um, conduct world food tours, Gary, where they go to magnificent places like New Caledonia, uh, France, of course, Italy. But the next one coming up is in Yarra Valley, which is happening in March. And uh, we speak to Christophe at, about that. But also, geez, mate, I cook omelettes, but then Christophe gave me a recipe, a French recipe for a truffle omelette, and I feel like I haven't been doing omelettes properly. <laughs> well, that's good. And, and can he share that with us? Yes, that is on the uh, the, the chat we're having. Good. And uh, good. I think Christophe will be giving a, a, a French restaurant every time we let the man speak to us. That's part of the deal. I want to become a famed French chef too. Good. And uh, finally, Stuart O'Neill. This is in the upcoming episodes, the next couple of episodes at least. Stuart O'Neill, who's an author and veteran, speaks about his little handbook. We're speaking about Millsy's book too, um, Gary, but um, Stuart has a handbook um, 
just one reason, I think it's called, which goes through the reasons for looking after yourself meet your mental health. And um, Stuart had been through quite a bit and decided to help others by writing a book. So that's it. Well, that seems like a a handful of stuff that we've started with. Look what you've created. Now, this was all your idea uh, that began with the publication of your uh, magazine some 11 years ago. Life is a wonderful thing, Gary. And well, what, it is. What brought us together is, you know, um, through obviously the audio uh, communication brilliance that you had established through the Melbourne Radio School um, and then, of course, my decision to seek you out and then obviously when the magazine started and now it's almost like a gift from the gods to be working with you producing such a magnificent podcast for listeners. That's an absolute pleasure, Greg. I I value our friendship and uh, look forward to um, providing a lot of information, uh, entertainment, a bit of colour. We'll have a a couple of art-type people to come by. Hopefully we can play a little bit of music if we can get around that obstacle, but we'll see how that goes. Well, I think, how about playing my song? Well, you uh, absolutely, because you wrote the song. And you wrote with Kerry Mack. And, and you published it, and it, it's your song. It got to number one. It got to number one. Uh, look, I tell you what we might even do. Why don't we go out with that on this episode? This is um, just a, a, a brief background about how you came to do this song. Thanks very much, Gary. Well, I tell you what, I had a dream. It sounds like a bit Paul McCartney issue with yesterday. Um, but anyhow, so I had a dream um, and the song came to me in a dream. I woke up with the tune and I had to hum the tune into a um, into my phone and then I had to think of some words. The first words were pretty grungy or the, the words that had appeared in the dream. So I changed the words. My wife at the time, Wendy, was ill with pancreatic cancer. I wrote the song about that called Let It Be Love. So Let It Be Love, I sang at Wendy's funeral and then was in contact with Kerry McInerney, a brilliant Queensland singer-songwriter who turned the song into something that you could listen to on the radio. I actually sang the song at, uh, at the funeral for Wendy and um, with my voice. <laughs> Anyhow, so, but uh, Kerry's beautiful version can be found uh, through all the, the channels. Uh, Let It Be Love, uh, written by Greg Ross and Kerry McInerney. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
The first episode of the Last Post Radio Show podcast. Stand by for episode two. On behalf of Greg T. Ross, I'm Gary Mack, speaking with his voice. <laughs>